0: We will be in Matthew's Gospel chapter 1 because Gabriella likes the Gospel of Matthew. So, what a blessing to be able to go through. I haven't had the privilege to teach a gospel for quite some while. It's the first book in the New Testament. And hopefully you guys are learning as we go through this because I talk to people who have they're just so like um, ignorant of the word of God. They don't know the contrast between the Old Testament and the New Testament. They think that the Old Testament, you don't ever have to read it or study it. And man, there's so much rich, good stuff in the whole 66 books of the Bible. So we'll be blessed to be able to go through a new gospel. Matthew chapter 1. Father, we ask your blessing upon your word. And Lord, we thank you for the praise reports. Wonderful news about just awesome things that you are doing behind the scenes transforming lives and putting people on different trajectories and we thank you for that Lord we acknowledge that every good and perfect gift is from above and so father now I just pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit says to the church in Jesus name and all of God's people said Amen. Amen. amen so Matthew Matthew is the first of the four gospels what are the three synoptic gospels anybody know what are the three synoptic gospels? Mark, Luke, Mark, and, Luke and what was the other one? Matthew. Mark. Matthew. So Matthew Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, Mark, Matthew. and Luke—the first three. Anybody know what synoptic means, or what that means—that they're the synoptic gospels? They are similar in style and in order, sequential. John focuses on the Galilean ministry of Jesus. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic in that they they do both the uh, Capernaum. And the Galilean, so a lot of Jerusalem and a lot of his other stuff are mentioned. Each gospel writer has an audience that he's writing to. Anybody know the audience that Matthew's writing to? Predominantly? The Jews. The Jews, so he's writing to the Jews, so you're going to see a lot of references to the Old Testament. Probably one of the reasons why they put it first right in order, because it wasn't the first gospel written. Anybody know which gospel might have been written first? Most likely Mark is what's believed and so Peter dictated to Mark what to write. Mark was the one that penned it, but Peter's the one that was probably telling him what to write. Um, John focuses on the deity of Jesus Christ and so uh, his genealogy goes straight to the beginning. Remember John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word w- uh, was God. Um, Luke... Is written to Romans and Mark is written to, or no? Mark is written to Romans. Mark presents him as the Son of Man, Matthew presents him as the King. As a as a servant is Mark. Yes, he's the Son of Man. Right. Italy, he uses the phrase Son of Man more than. Right, and, and Luke. Luke presenting the orderly gospel for Theophilus. Yes, his first uh, writing Acts would be his second. Um, Let me see what else we can say. Anybody know what Matthew's other name was? Levi. Matthew. Levi. So what tribe is Matthew from? Probably the tribe of Levi. Okay. Anybody know what his, uh, before he came to meet Jesus, what his uh, profession was? Matthew. A tax collector. They love them tax collectors like, like we do today, right? They didn't like tax collectors, right? Um, being a tax collector prepared Matthew to write because you had to keep good pens, good records, right? So, I mean, the Lord, even in our BC before Christ days can take what the bad stuff that we did and he can turn it around if we would surrender it to him. And so that's kind of neat. Now he was hated as a tax collector And the reason he was so hated, especially by the Jews, and he's writing to Jews, is because they felt that they were traitors, right? Turncoats. They're working now for the Roman government, extracting money from the Jews to give to Rome. And they're taking some off the top a lot of times. That's why they were wealthy. Um, So you could see why he was hated. So that's our person... Let's go ahead and uh, any questions on Matthew before we start? We're going to look at a genealogy and then the birth of Jesus. And so we've got a lot of good stuff to look at. But um, any questions before we get into the Gospel of Matthew? Everybody good? Verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So he's going to go straight to the fact that Jesus Christ is in the lineage of the father of the faith and coming through king david so over and over these are messianic references jesus christ so is christ his middle name or his last name title it means messiah okay it means the anointed one and so it's jesus the anointed one or jesus the messiah and notice it says the son of david son of abraham the first two words of Matthew in the Greek are Biblo Biblios Genesos. Something like that. It may be translated record of genealogy, record of origins, or record of the history. We're gonna see that there's in the sense all of these are valid in the Gospel of Matthew. Okay? So it is a a record of genealogy, it is a record of origins, and it's definitely a record of history. And that's what that word means, genealogy, the book of Genealogy. Okay, now let's go through verse by verse. Verse two: Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are ultimately the fathers of the faith, right? Abraham being uh, the father of the faith, but the patriarchs, and they're often mentioned as those who are alive, who are who died but live forevermore uh, because of their faith in the coming Messiah. Um, so Judah and his brothers, Jesus is coming through the line of Judah. Remember the 12 sons of Jacob are the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph had two sons. And sometimes in the genealogy you'll see, or in the record of the 12 tribes, you'll see instead of Joseph named his two sons name, and then one of the other sons of Jacob pulled out. So depending on whatever list you're looking at, sometimes you'll see it like that. But Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, is his title. Verse 3, Judah begot Perez and Sarah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron and Hezron begot Ram. So Tamar is mentioned and never in a Jewish genealogy is a woman mentioned, especially one of questionable Irrefute, and we'll see where that comes into play. Um, verse 4 Ram begot a Minadab. begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by another woman, Rahab. Uh, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. And so that takes us through from Abraham to David, and we see two females mentioned. The first is Tamar. The second is Rahab. Uh, anybody knows Tamar's story? Yeah, I did. Go ahead. Tamar is the one that married the, the guy, and then he died, and then she married his brother, and then he died, and then his brother, and then he died, and then ended up being with the father, and then the father thought that he was a hooker, she was a hooker. Do I have a Absolutely. Okay. You're right on. <laughs> So he thought she was a hooker, so he went ahead and, and got her pregnant. Uh-huh. And turned out to be the... Judah, her father, her father-in-law. She ended, up getting, she ended up getting married to him, didn't she? Yeah, not married to him, but the, the baby was born, and that would be uh, Perez. Okay, Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Yeah, so uh, just an interesting dynamic and. As you begin to look at the females that God put in the lineage, what, what I love about God, I don't know if you guys, uh, but I am one of the least politically correct kind of people on the planet. The, the political correctness that I have to have is kind of veiling a deep passion that I have inside of me, because if you bring it on too hardcore, People are just overwhelmed with it. And so, you know, that scripture in 1 Corinthians 9 that says, I, I, I try to be all things to all people that I might win some. My desire is to win people to the Lord. And, and if, I was, if I told them exactly what I thought all the time, um, I would probably turn a lot of people off. So that's not a good thing. But what I love about Jesus is he's probably the most politically incorrect character that I've ever studied on the planet. Like he doesn't care. He doesn't care that the whole world says, don't put a female in your genealogy if you want it to be reputable. And then to top that off, he doesn't care that the religious establishment of his day despised women. Their their testimony was not useful in a court of law. A Jewish man would pray, God, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile. They believe that Gentiles were used for nothing more than to fuel the flames of hell. I thank you that I'm not a dog, and I thank you that I'm not a woman. That would be a Jewish man's prayer every day. And so again I look at whoa, he he allows Tamar, not even just like a a, a perfect woman, right? A good quality gal. No, a Tamar and her horrible story and what happened. And then he the second one we see here is Rahab. Is she Jewish? She came from Moab she's a Moabite right so outside of the faith and Judaism was everything David the king it goes on to say begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah what who is he naming right there the wife of Uriah Bathsheba and 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 in the genealogy the Holy Spirit is letting us know that it's not just Bathsheba David stole somebody's wife and that's how Solomon was born. So he's letting us know again in a, in a kingly lineage, the king of kings is letting us know, yeah, you know, my, my, my family tree? Some pretty jacked up, messed up folk there. But he's letting us know and I, I, I believe strongly the reason he's letting us know is because we're part of that family. And we're part of that messed up group that can kind of whoa, Lord! If if they can be in, maybe maybe there's hope for me. Maybe maybe then I there's a chance. <laughs> Woohoo! That's kind of cool. Yeah. Verse seven: Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah. Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram. Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham. Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Ammon, Ammon begot Josiah, Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon, so you can put it in a historical context, okay, and after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel begot Abiud, Abiud begot Eliakim, and Eliakim, Azor, Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Akim, Akim begot Eliud, Eliud begot Eliezer, Eliezer begot Mathan, and Mathan begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. And so, if you were to go through this genealogy, and what he does is he groups it in three groups of fourteen, to keep it sequential and in order. You would learn that in the Old Testament, you will go back and study all of these people and all of these names, and you would see some names missing. And some of the names missing, and maybe he just did it for the grouping of the 14. And notice, I think he goes on to say that. So all the generations, verse 17 says, from Abraham to David are 14 generations, from David until the captivity in Babylon, 14 generations from the captivity in Babylon until Christ are 14 generations. And so you read that and you think, all right, that's cool. He did it in 14 pairs, easy to remember. He kind of omitted a few. Well, one of the guys he omits has a curse on his bloodline. So evil of a king was he that God, through the prophet, would say, your descendants will never hold the office of a king. Your bloodline is cursed forever, but it's in this record of genealogy, and you have to scratch your head and say, what's going on? Why would that be? Does anybody know why? Well, part of it is going to be that through Mary is going to be the bloodline, if you will through joseph you notice in verse what was it 15 or 16 and jacob begot joseph the husband of mary of whom was born jesus who is called the christ was jesus born of joseph no No. jesus was born of mary so we're going to see you know how the holy spirit did that and all that right the virgin birth but there is no blood it's interesting that in Genesis chapter three you have the mention of the gospel for the first time in the scriptures, and it says of Satan that he will uh, bru- bruise your, your bruise heel, your and you will bruise his heel. No, the other way. Yeah, he will bruise your heel. You will whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that's the first mention of the gospel. And it's referring to Eve, and does woman hold the seed? The man holds the seed, but yet in in Genesis chapter 3, it's saying that the woman will hold the seed to the Messiah. And so we see Mary is going to be able to hold the Messiah, where Joseph will simply be the stepfather, and Joseph's a godly man, we're not going to put Joseph down, Joseph doesn't get a lot of press, and he doesn't give a lot of good press, but he's a godly man in his culture. And God chose to use him to raise his son, literally, right? And so what an honor that is. I, I, wouldn't, take it, I wouldn't take it that far. I, I would say she definitely was royal in the sense that she's coming from the lineage of David. But because, and, and I think you and I had this conversation, but because they offered turtle doves, I think she wasn't a woman of well means. She wasn't wealthy by current standards, and so um, it, it happens. No, we still have people who are royal lineage, especially in Europe, who are not wealthy, but they are of. They can trace their direct descendants right. from ancient royalty, and they are still considered royalty, so they don't have money. Right. And I mean, ultimately, I think that looks good from our perspective, but from God's perspective, we're all paupers, spiritually speaking. We're all poor. And I think he was looking at Mary's heart, Joseph's heart, to be able to bring the Messiah as opposed to the means. And Jesus was born in obscurity. He wasn't a man of means. He said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In his three and a half year ministry, he was dependent upon people as he went, uh, you know, preaching and sharing. So... There's five women, including Mary, mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Her name is mentioned here as well. Um, Mary, the husband of Mary, who, of whom Jesus Christ was uh, uh, called Christ. Anybody know what the number five in the Bible is? Number of? So every number in the Bible has a meaning. Nobody knows number five? G-R-A-C-E. It's the number of grace. And if there's one thing I see, the biggest thing that I see drawn from the genealogy of Jesus Christ is grace. That people would be included that are questionable. As I mentioned, Tamar, she sold herself as a prostitute to her father in law, Judah, to bring forth Perez and Zerah, Genesis 38. Rahab, she was a Gentile prostitute for whom God took extraordinary measures to save from both judgment and her lifestyle of prostitution. Joshua chapter 2 and Joshua chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. Ruth, she was from Moab, a Gentile, and until her conversion out of the covenant of Israel, Ruth 1. Um, Her who had been the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba, who is mentioned by implication in Matthew one six, was an adulteress, infamous for her sin with David, 2 Samuel chapter 11. Matthew, peculiar way of referring to her, Uriah's wife, may be an attempt to focus on the fact that Uriah was not an Israelite, but a Hittite. He was Uriah the Hittite. He wasn't, um, again, Jewish. These four women have an important place in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Mary is mentioned as well. So the five, to show that there is a new place for women under the new covenant. In both the pagan and the Jewish culture of that day, men often had little regard for women. In that era, some Jewish men prayed every day, as I mentioned, that they give God thanks that they're not uh, Gentile, slave, or woman, despite that women were regarded more highly among the Jews than they were among the, the pagans. And what this teaches me is that no matter how marginalized we are, no matter how downtrodden we are, no matter how outside or outcast we are, God receives us. God accepts us. God is there for us. If we would run to Him, if we would call upon Him, if we would trust in Him, if we would look to Him, where the world is set up very differently, God is gracious to those who would humble themselves and come to God and take Him at His word and walk by faith and trust that His plan for our life is better than the plan that we have for ourselves. And so to me, that, that just gives me such a tremendous hope to be able to just trust God. He doesn't care what people say. He doesn't care what people think. He doesn't care what the culture at large is saying. He doesn't care what's politically correct. He just cares about what's true. And what's true is, even though the whole culture hates women, in his era, he's like, I don't care. I don't care what they'll say. I don't care what they think. I'm for the downtrodden. I'm for the one that's struggling. I'm for the one that's suffering. That's my heart. I want to show myself strong to that individual, to that group, to those people. And so I think we have to be very, very careful because we make friendship with the world and before you know it, the world turns on us and bites us and rips us off and then we're boohooing that the world did what the world is supposed to do but God will never do that. And so I find that as hopeful and I find that to be a blessing. Um, I told you guys about that. the, the In between Josiah and Jeconiah uh, was Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim is the one in 2 Chronicles 36 that was basically so wicked uh, of a prophet that through the prophet Jeremiah, God said, you're never going to have someone raise up. And so that's a neat little just picture of, again, God's grace to say, whoa, whoa, wait, what's going on here? He's mentioned, no, 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 that's not the bloodline. That's through Joseph, okay? As we continue on in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, this scripture alone right here gives Catholicism quite a bit of struggle. I don't know why Catholicism elevates Mary above what she really is in the scriptures. Mary was godly. Mary was an incredible example of what an individual could pattern their life after. But Mary was neither co-redemptress nor perpetual virgin. And they teach both of those. And I don't understand why. Yeah, yeah, I have a, I have a book that has all the dates of yeah. everything that crept into Catholicism. Catholicism, unfortunately, lends itself quite a bit to Babylon false religion. And so we have to be careful. I was talking to a Catholic today, and as I was sharing with her, um, just uh, what, what, we had a dialogue and we were going back and forth. And um, I said, I asked her, I said, do you believe tradition over the Word of God or do you believe the Word of God over tradition? And she said, I believe the word of God over tradition. Because she had said, um, to the question I asked her, I said, um, are you aware that Mary had other children with her husband Joseph and that those children are named in the scriptures? And her answer was, she was leaving, but she had told me, um, the answer to that is that Mary is the mother of us all. And that's what it's referring to. And so then she left. And then she came back. And I got to sit her down and kind of show her in the scriptures. And that's why I asked her the question, do you believe tradition over uh, the scriptures? Or do you believe that the scriptures are over tradition? And she said, I believe scriptures are over tradition. So when I showed her, and then she's kind of like, oh, they're named. In Mark's gospel, chapter 6, joseph jude and his sisters are named um and there's another brother i forgot what his name is but uh james um but i told her i said don't fear what you've been taught as a catholic as opposed to what are the implications like why would you want to believe that why would you want to believe that mary was a virgin forever like mary's a human being jesus is the savior there's one mediator between god and man the man jesus christ and you've placed your faith in jesus so you know whatever you've been taught or whatever you thought you believed because catechism or communion or whatever you know you've been taught along the way that's okay You, you get to be enlightened and you get to grow in your faith with the lord who's your savior mary or jesus she said jesus so then believe what the scriptures say and it's okay and again, I, I think the way we sometimes talk to Catholics or people who don't believe maybe what we know about the Bible, sometimes we beat them and we're, we're condemning them before they even have a chance to be educated. And a lot of it is just the tradition that they've been taught. And I think we have an opportunity to enlighten and bring, shine light on some of maybe the tradition that they've been taught. We don't have to beat them with it or we don't have to be uh, negative, I think, about it. So I think that's important for us to understand. So uh, the birth of Jesus was as follows. After Mary, the mother, was betrothed. There's three stages in a marriage. There's, let me see if I can find it, engagement, betrothal, and marriage. Here it is, engagement, betrothal, and marriage. Uh, Engagement, this could happen when the bride and uh, groom-to-be were quite young and was often arranged by the parents. Okay, so a little different than the way we do it today, right? But back then, you know, you got a little... Little three-year-old boy and uh, neighbor's got a little two-year-old girl. And you're like, hey, what we like? Get them together. All right. They're betrothed. They're they're engaged, I mean. Betrothal, this made the previous engagement official and binding. During the time of betrothal, the couple were known as husband and wife. And a betrothal could only be broken by divorce. Betrothal typically lasted a year. And then the final stage, of course, is marriage. This took place after the wedding after the year of betrothal. And so you'll see that come into play here, verse 19. So she's with child of the Holy Spirit. Luke sheds a little more light on how that happened, but really, I think we get in danger trying to look too much into it. It's given in the scriptures very simply, and I think it's as simple as the Holy Spirit placed baby Jesus, maybe as a zygote, right? Anybody know what a zygote is? A one-celled human being. And then it begins to split and then you got two cells and then splits, four, split, eight, split, 16, Okay, mitosis. And then it becomes an embryo and then it becomes a fetus and then you have the third trimester and then before you know it, you got baby Jesus. So I don't know. I mean, we don't have to go. I think baby Jesus was baby Jesus in the womb. I don't think he was nine months and she carried a nine month baby for nine months. I think he started out and little by little, she went through a regular, if you will, outside of the Holy Spirit, placing that baby in the womb. And it's not hard for us to figure out, right? Don't they do that today? In vitro fertilization, right? So, I mean, God just did it 2,000 early, two thousand years earlier than the average, you know, what we figured out 2,000 years later. But they're able to do it. And so I think it's as simple as that, found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, verse 19, her husband, being a, notice he's a just man. And that's a good thing. And not wanting to make her a public example, was mind, minded to put her away secretly. So what are his options? Expose this, shout it off the rooftop, and what's the, the penalty? Capital punishment. You weren't supposed to do that. So he's thinking, you're pregnant and it wasn't me. There's only one, one answer, as far as he's concerned. And he's right for thinking that, right? Uh, I kind of know how this works. It's kind of like when people say, I'm a little pregnant. You're not a little pregnant, you're a whole pregnant. Like there ain't a little. You're, you're all or nothing. Okay? So I think Joseph, again, is, is somebody who, a just man, God was able to find an individual that he knew he could do a work through. And this is, to me, a tremendous deal. This is a big deal. He's going to raise his son. He's going to be a carpenter in, in a shop, like his stepdad, like his, right, foster dad. And so I think that's a big deal, that God could see, I can entrust you with this, and I think that's to be commended. Verse 20, but while he thought about these things. Behold, notice the word in front of angel, A-N, and angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, I'm going to remind you what where you come from, son of David. Do not be afraid to take uh, to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit." This is the only time in all of the Bible that an angel, an angel of the Lord, appeared to him in a dream. If you see angel of the Lord appeared, what is the word that you see in front of angel of the Lord in every other case in the Bible? Anybody know? The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. This is the only time you see an angel of the Lord in the scriptures. And the reason why is because the angel of the Lord is what a theophany, and it's Jesus Christ, right? And so we see here, and 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 I love this because you go to the original, the the manuscripts, the copies of the originals that we have, and you see, wow, this is a big deal, just you know the or and gigantic deal. Yeah. You look at all the scriptures, and you just see the fine tuning of the Holy Spirit to make sure. Da-da-da-da. That's not the angel of the Lord. That's an angel of the Lord. Make sure you mark that down. And so I think that's awesome. And so he's letting them know, son of David, as the lineage where you're coming from. Don't forget that the Messiah is going to come through the, and be the son of David. You have the right lineage, Joseph. So I will remind you of that. Do not be afraid. And so there was fear on his part. And what are we usually afraid of? We're afraid of what people are going to think, what people are going to say. My reputation. What, what? What? How is this going to go for me? This won't bode well for me, and so there was a fear. And he's letting him know, hey, don't be afraid. God's not going to tell you to don't be afraid unless you're what afraid, right? He's not going to tell you, hey, put your left sock on before you put your right sock on. I mean, he's going to tell you something that is, you know, has no meaning. And so he tells him, don't be afraid to take Mary your wife. And notice he's calling her your wife in this a betrothal. There their wife, but they haven't consummated the marriage until marriage, right? And so that was a legal binding part of engagement, betrothal, then marriage. And so it's legal here, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And again, the virgin birth and all that that entails, we'll get into that. I'll, I'll throw out some questions and we'll talk about that. Verse 21, and she will bring forth a son, And you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. I have Jesus. Jesus means the salvation of Yahweh. It was fairly common in that day. Josephus Josephus mentions 12 different men named Jesus in his writings. But it was supremely blessed uh, but it is supremely blessed in our day. As was later said by the apostle Peter there is no other name under heaven, by which men must be saved, and so that name again, the salvation of Yahweh, um, the salvation of Jehovah, Morgan says, and so that's what the name is. Uh, Hebrew, what's uh, what would Jesus be translated in Hebrew? Joshua. Joshua. In Greek, it's Jesus. So same name, and then again a common name, but it's God is salvation. The Lord is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. And so I think that's awesome. His name would be his mission. He's going to bring salvation to the world. For he will save his people from their sins. The angelic messenger briefly and eloquently stated the work of the coming Messiah. Jesus, he will come as a savior and come to save his people from their sins. I think it's important that we see that it's his people. It's not. It didn't say God's people. It didn't say the Jews. It's specifically to Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Verse 21. Verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, this will be the most used word or set of words in the book of Matthew. That it might be fulfilled. The reason it's the most used is because he's going back to the Old Testament and he's showing all of the prophecies that would lead to Jesus. So the virgin birth, the fact that Jesus would have Joseph as a stepfather, not a blood. um, Why is that important? Is that significant? Some people have denied the virgin birth. And some um, Bible translations um, in the book of Isaiah where this is quoted from that says the virgin will conceive and give birth. Uh, What we see on the Christmas card all the time, right, that scripture in Isaiah, Um, they put maiden, because the word in the Hebrew can be translated virgin, somebody who's never had sexual relations, or a maiden, a young woman. So this will be the sign, a virgin or a maiden will have a child. Is that much of a sign if a woman is pregnant? Yeah, the sign, pretty drastic sign, will be a virgin is pregnant, right? Right? But, um, 200 years before the New Testament, or 200 years BC, their interesting little dynamic took place. The Septuagint was written. The Septuagint is 70 scholars got together, Septuagint means 70, 70 scholars got together and they wrote because Rome was taking over and the language of the day was um, Greek, so They decided to translate the Bible into Greek, the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't come yet, 200 years BC, and there's only one word in the Greek for virgin. So that word means virgin, somebody who has not had sexual relations. That's the word they chose 200 years before Jesus came on the scenes to translate that word in Isaiah, um, that a virgin will conceive. And so I think, again, all of that stuff is, is just pretty awesome that it confirms um, what it is. Why is it significant that Jesus is born of a virgin? Sinless. Makes him sinless. His nature is not fallen. So he doesn't have a sin nature. Why is it important then that he would come through Mary? Because it's spread through the sin of man. Okay. Well, I heard something else. Sin coming from Adam. It's prophetic. Sin comes from Adam. Okay. I haven't heard it yet. Okay. She's a okay. Mary's, in the genealogy. So Mary's in the genealogy. He has the right to the throne. Definitely through Joseph and Mary. Legal right through Joseph. Blood right through, um, or human right through Mary. Um, it identifies him as both God and man. He's human. We can relate. We can relate. He's a human. The book of Hebrews says that he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was genuinely tempted. So when we're tempted, we can go to Jesus, because he was tempted, yet without sin. So he's the one that we look to as the example. His laying aside deity in Philippians chapter 2, it's called the kenosis, means that he was dependent upon the Holy Spirit as he walked the earth. He laid aside his deity. He didn't didn't make that prerogative like, no, I'm going to depend on my deity. No, no, no. I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit and my Father to lead me. In John chapter 17, he says, I always do that which pleases the Father as an example for us to walk. And so that's important, fully human, fully God. He never detracted anything, he just added. He added to his deity. What will we see in heaven as we see Jesus Christ? We will see a man. He is a man forever. We will see the man, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. So he didn't start out God and then take on a human form and get rid of his human form and then he's going to go back to what he was, pre-incarnate, He remains a man. And that's what we will see as second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the man. Questions, comments, concerns? Good. People like pre-Jesus, how do they, are they going to, I'm sure they're going to go to heaven, but how does that work for those guys? Before Jesus came. Same way it works. They looked forward to the cross. By faith, we look backwards to the cross by faith. All the way back to Job, first book written in the Bible. Job had faith that God was his Redeemer. Yeah, we have the hindsight of the scriptures and the cross and the history that Jesus Christ, this guy walked around. Jesus of Nazareth is a historical figure that walked around and he has 500 plus eyewitnesses that he rose from the dead. People that saw him, whether friends or foes, right? Enemies. So we have all of that proof to look back to. They were all looking forward to what the scriptures said was coming. No different. The cross is how everyone will be saved. The Old Testament saints are looking forward to something yet future. We in the New Testament are looking backwards to something that took place by faith. Amen. Father we thank you so much and we look forward Lord to eternity in heaven right now Lord we occupy until you come and I pray Lord that we would be encouraged to know that you care you care when other people don't you care when others don't get it you love us your desire is to spend time with us and so, Lord, I pray that we would run to you, that we would commune with you, that we would desire to talk with you as we walk on this earth. And we just thank you so much for the grace that you provide. And, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the brethren, for those just going through the difficulties of just uh, warfare and these bodies just breaking down on the daily, Lord. And I just pray your hand of blessing upon them, your peace that surpasses understanding would be made known. And so thank you, Father, for your word and just for coming into this world to die in our place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.